This is Rated Raw with Alex Evers and Jamie Price. What's up, Jamie? We're back with another technologically challenged episode of Rated Raw. We had a lot of people watching and now we don't, so we'll get it going here. Um, Yeah. What's going on, man? Another day in coronavirus life. Uh, It's kind of chilly today in in Charlotte, so we went for a little picnic. It's... uh, it is actually your anniversary as well as it is mine. Oh, that's right. It's our. Oh, it's our. It is our wedding. Well, our wedding party anniversary. Your, it's your wedding it's party wedding. anniversary. And it was your actual wedding anniversary. It was our that's wedding awesome, anniversary. C- congratulations. Thank you. So Emily's uh, in the other room. James is still asleep upstairs. And uh, nice, nice. We're gonna go for a little bike ride later. Just kind of enjoying, um, enjoying are you, are you some life practice are you gonna practice social distancing while you do it are you guys gonna stay all six feet apart well we can stay as close as we want as a family but um <laughs> we're we're so we live we live on a, a really nice like greenway and it's great to go just biking around it's cool so yeah it's fun but it's a little chilly so we're just kind of we're just kind of chilling at home where i'm living right now the people are out like at a rampant number just everybody's fucking out and about it's crazy the parks are full like i literally saw i haven't seen anybody play street hockey ball hockey any sort of outdoor hockey other than being on an ice rink indoors they're fucking playing ball hockey at the park it's crazy like on a basketball court i was just like go go home people i i want to go back i want to go back to work and the only way that i can go back to work I love. I'm truly loving this time at home, but the only way that I can go back no. to work is if everybody stays home, and um, yeah, and stops messing around with their friends and family, and you know, having having you know socials and rages at their house. So, dude, my buddy in Australia in Sydney, he's like they're having COVID parties every day <laughs> in the place that he lives next door. He said they call the cops three days in a row, and it's like go, it's like twenty people just home. raging in Australia. Go, it's um, crazy, man. You know that photographer Anthony Causey? I do not. He's a New York Post. You should Belmont some of this. He has he, he has it, and he's in the hospital. He's in super bad shape. But yeah, he posted a picture on social media. Oh, I did. I mask. did hear about that. Yeah, it's it's insane how quickly it's turned. So really pulling for him. Hopefully that works out and everyone else stays safe. And it's, it's crazy once you're starting to see people like affected by it close to you, and yeah. actually seeing the effects of it. It's 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 really really wild. It is scary. So um, let's jump in because we had a question last week that we never got a chance to answer. And the the question was, um, uh, one second, let me pull it up here. So uh, can you talk about finding new clients when you're starting out? Is it better to focus on good website and social media presence? Or, and let them come to you, or do you actively seek out clients um, to shoot pictures for? And it was kind of something that another another guy that um, I know Griffith asked last week, that's pretty much a reworded question of, of what he asked. Um, so why don't you take that one first, and I'll chip in. Well, I think you and I might be a little bit different. You guys are a little bit more active, and I'm probably a little bit more passive on it, but maybe it's different different markets i think number one you got to start with the good social presence and you got to start with the daily portfolio of you sharing your work and showing it over and over and over and over and over again to your prospective clients i think it's the only way to stay relevant is like constantly populating it with your best and most relevant most recent work 
Um, I know when I do it, I start to see a little bit more traction of people call, like emailing, contacting. But again, it's all in your social media too. It's how you tag it, how you post it, call to action within your posts, etc. Jamie's really, really great at that. So when you and I, because we're old, um, when You're you and I, <laughs> you see these gray hairs, man, it's getting bad. I've got um, like three in my beard. It's fucked, dude. So when you and I were, I would say we were fresh as photographers, um, the, the difference, you know, 10 years ago was, you know, like we, I had, you had to have a website with a, yeah, that's true. Stop typing, stop answering questions, focus on me. (laughs) We had to have a website and a printed portfolio and various other ways to actually like promote yourself. Whereas now the portfolio is Instagram. So a lot of times I still, I, I get people asking me to like look at their work all the time. Um, you know, people send me pictures that they've taken on Instagram. Um, and I'll go look at their, their stuff on, on their Instagram page. And it's like, uh, just a collage of like cats, babies, sunsets, sunrises, more cats, more babies, like, like food. So, so, don't, and then go, so like, don't go look at my Instagram right now because during coronavirus, I posted a picture of me as Joe Exotic photoshopped. I photoshopped, or photographed a picture of some people on rooftops now and I got some horses. It's all oh, uh, violating all the rules. Yeah, it's but over. like, so you, you have a presence and you've kind of established yourself whereas if you have like, 50 followers and 6,000 posts that you've made, maybe it's not um, the best strategy that you're using. So maybe, so what I'm trying to say is use your Instagram as your portfolio because this is the most forward facing thing that you have in the world now is like, it's so much easier now than it was 10, 15 years ago because 10, 15 years ago, for somebody to find your work, they literally had to go to your website or see your byline in like a magazine or a newspaper or something like that. Whereas now, if you follow hashtags, like I follow motorsport photography as a hashtag, I see stuff from all over the world, whether I follow them or not. I don't follow any hashtags. Should I start doing that? Well, so for you, I would follow horse racing. I would follow Breeders' Cup. I would follow Kentucky Derby. I would follow, um, I don't know, like California Chrome or like, I don't know, Thoroughbred Racing, some stuff like that, because you're going to see. Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. um, Tigers, baby. Um, when you see, when you see like stuff in your feed, you'll, you'll start discovering work. And it's not necessarily how, I don't think it's necessarily how, um, you know, clients are going to find you. Like, I don't think that's how you're necessarily going to get work, but it will build your brand. And the bigger brand you have, the more people following you, the more reputability, I guess, you have. But it's still, Dude, it's so, like, I saw Jake It's just having all your feet, like, having as many feeders out there as possible. Like, if you have your tentacles and so many different things, you just have more chances of getting hits. That's, it's just numbers, stats. Right. So I saw um, my buddy Jake Galstad pop in here, and he said he hasn't updated his website since 2014. So that's me too, bud. But I just redid my website, and I've had a lot of traffic um, from from people that want me to shoot. So I had somebody email me the other day asking me if I could shoot NASCAR races, and they came to me from my website. 
So it wasn't like I do still get stuff from from social media, like people asking me to shoot, you know, that they found they found my work on social media and they want me to shoot more. Um, what's my rate? All that jazz. But like I still get stuff from my website where people are are wanting that. Um, they're wanting to like see this is the, my website is the best of of what I think that I have. And it has like some information, more information about me than a hundred characters allows in Instagram. So I think there's still a place for a website and you can make a website so inexpensively now it's ridiculously like cheap, like go, go make a WordPress or a photo shelter has, um, if you're a photo shelter user, you already have a website template that you can use. There's just, and my, and mine is Wix. Um, so, you know, my entire website, all my newsletters, if you're on Wallpaper Wednesday, you're coming, you're getting stuff through Wix. Um, and it has it all built in. And the print store that I'm starting to just passively make income just from selling stuff, it's free money. Like, I'm basically printing money from images that I've had over the years. So, yeah. Uh, the print store is something I'm working on actively right now during these times because I have no fucking clue when the next assignment's going to be. Somebody wanted to see this. Yeah, it's just a a print from um, uh, one of the first races I watched on TV, and I thought it was pretty cool and artsy. And I haven't hung it on the wall yet, but it will be eventually. All right, so we got some we got some questions coming in. yeah, Jake, you should update your website. Uh, Dude, I, I want to say on mine, I don't even think I have a fucking active bio on mine. I haven't looked at my website in probably since 2014, since the, the social media stuff became it. Because you find, I don't know, I feel like my majority of my work comes off of social media. Yeah. Um, a lot of somebody, Twitter stuff, surprisingly. Somebody, well, so I haven't gotten Twitter to work. For, for me, Twitter just seems to be like the people that already follow me follow me on Twitter and it's just like way less of a, of a large group. Um, but there's still some important people. Like there's, I would say like, you know, with, with the people that follow you, there are actually like people in that group that are genuinely like movers and shakers within the automotive industry. And I'm not talking photographers. Like when I started shooting Supercross, um, an editor of a, of a motorcycle magazine, sent me an email he was like dude you're shooting supercross like i love your your car racing stuff like i want to see what you what you end up producing and they'll be running a big like seven or eight page spread of images that i did from supercross and he only found out about that i was shooting supercross because i was posting about it on instagram so there's a lot of people that follow me on twitter and instagram um that are like editors they're drivers their team owners their sponsors there's a huge group of people that are not just photographers and i actually feel like most of the people that follow me are photographers but not everybody and it's the not everybody that's in that following group that um it's important to keep the work like coming because quality and consistently producing images is what's going to get you hired over and over and over again over the course of your career yeah, I think I think you're able to show that consistency on social media because if you're like you're putting out work over and over and over again, right? And they're like, well, that's an amazing shot. Oh, look at this. That's another amazing shot. Who took that? Oh, it's Jamie. Oh, it's Jamie. Oh, it's, it's you. Just people then start associating. Yeah, well, Jamie's super talented, or he can make this type of picture, or he can do this type of work. It's also, I think, 
interesting topic is knowing your market in social media, like specifically for me, like horse racing, like all the owners, the brands, the farm, everybody is on Twitter. Like anybody, like writers, jockeys, fans, handicappers, they're all there. And that's like as cesspoolish as it is, and sometimes it gets really toxic. It is like the dinner party that nobody leaves. <laughs> and at the same time, on Instagram, the following is a little bit different. It's like younger, more like horsey people. I feel like maybe more photography related fans than Twitter, but it's knowing your audience and then tailoring the content for that specific audience. Like I'll post now, if I shoot something relevant, like a workout or I'll shoot a big race, I try to get it on Twitter before I get it on Instagram because it tracks way better and does way more attention on Twitter than it will on Instagram. It'll do well on Instagram over time. But Twitter is really like quick hit, um, news-based, really fast, like right then and there. And I feel like Instagram is more portfolio-ish, lasts longer. Um, you can have a photo up there for a couple of days and still get some traction on it. Whereas Twitter, two, two three days, it's kind of done. So here's a question. Um, what are your procedures for backing up photos, Alex? Ooh. Well, it's a or little late now. Not? I, no, no, I back up, but it, it, I back up much like my desk. It's just there's shit everywhere. It's uh, <laughs> my number one backup, and like we're not sponsored by Photo Shelter. I know we've been talking a lot about them, but Photo Shelter is like what I use and been using. And we have a couple different clients that use that platform to as image delivery. So I've been using that, and I've changed my archive in the last two years to like basically more folders like year racetrack um day with what i shot like if it was the date and a workout date in this race broken down and now i'm starting to see that the keywording beyond just the caption itself but like tagging things a specific way is way more beneficial and i needed to do more of that in the past so i've kind of changed that where i'm after a shoot, after I deliver it to all the clients, after I load it to the wire service, um, then going back through the work and looking at it and tagging it as like, is this image a potential, like a stock shot? Is this image like a detail shot that could be used for like marketing? So that way if I have to pull images for a client and they're like, hey, we really like, you know, a variation of sunrise shots. Like I can just hit that tag and boom, they're all there. Instead of having to go, right. oh, I shot, you know, March 13th and made that really great picture. <laughs> or a lot of times I'll look at it on social media before, like, I'll be like, I remember I shot that, that was, and I'll scroll through my thing, find it, but oh, it's August, okay, that was, and then backtrack it, which is terribly inefficient. <laughs> so, so I use, I use a version of that as well, and I use a lot of uh, keywords and hashtags. Um, in, so I, I, when I ingest everything into Photo Mechanic, uh, or I, when I export from Lightroom to a folder, what does that sound? Um, I will then take all of those pictures that are, I, I, I apologize if you hear a screaming baby in the background. He's awake from his nap and he's not happy about it. Um, <laughs> but I will take, <clears throat> I'll take those images that I'm editing and when they're in the final selects folder, I will have all those like captions like from the race. So if I use Rolex, for example, um, I'll do Rolex 24, Daytona, Daytona International Speedway, Daytona 24, uh, sports car, just like I'll, I'll caption um, IMSA WeatherTech series. And also, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's awake. Um, and also, so I'm also using something called code replacements in... Uh, in photo mechanic so i will it's like a backslash and then a 
like whatever I've deemed, um, and I'm going to do a YouTube tutorial on this at some point when I can get around to it, but it's basically a way, you probably will, and you'll do a better job of it too, but um, I will use like a pre-coded like like letter like Daytona 24 D24 2020 um, and then I'll drop like a car number on it and it will automatically fill like yeah. all the details of that car and you use it for for like jockey horse trainer owner yada 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 dude, dude um, I have it in Hong Kong for my clients that it puts the horse's name and the jockey's name in Cantonese or Chinese so that they right. can search it on there if they want to search it that way which like, is which is incredible Fortunately, I only have, I generally only have English speaking clients, um, and I haven't been forced to do Cantonese for, for Macau yet. But it just looks sick, man. It's, it's rad. It looks awesome. It's nerdy. But it, but it is really cool. So if I, if, so a lot of times I'll use my Instagram as a way, um, to like, it, it's not, I don't use Instagram editorially, but if there's something important that happens, like Lewis Hamilton wins his sixth world championship, or this coming year wins his seventh world championship, or somebody dies, or, you know, somebody like, you know, wins a big race, or a friend of mine does something that I I want to post about, I will then just go on my photo shelter site, and you all can do this too. You can go to my photo shelter and you can search for. Fernando Alonso, Corey Lewis, Lewis Hamilton, uh, Alex Evers. I have caption keyword pictures of Alex Evers oh, on my website. So I might need I those ever, to populate my Instagram. If I ever want to go and like post something, then I can just search on my photo shelter page like for Lewis Hamilton 2014, 2017, whatever year it is, and the race. What, whatever I'm looking for, I can just search for it quickly, and it'll just pop up like that. Um, and it just is a great way to go back and through, but with your raw files, do you back up your raw files too? Yeah. And so, Hey, check this out. And this is one of the things I was going to ask you about is I will now with the internet being what it is, it, it might not be doable, but, um, backing up raw files into, uh, photo shelter. Are you doing that? No. So have you tried? Uh, I, I have tried, but not super recently. Um, all of my full res JPEGs go to Photo Shelter. Same. But for raw files, I'm using Amazon Prime because if you're a Prime member, you get free, oh. un, unlimited photo storage. And it's truly. When did, that ha- when did that ha- when did that happen? It used to be like like capped at like a terabyte or two terabytes. I don't I don't know, but Prime is unlimited, and you don't pay. It's, it just comes as it it comes with it. So I've literally uploaded like almost Get a million f- pictures. Dude, I'm literally <laughs> opening my laptop right now. <laughs> um, I've I well, upload so after I do a shoot, and I I have I mean it's not gigabit, but it's like 400 meg up, 400 meg down. Um, and I'll upload after a shoot. I'll just like drop that folder, and it, you can like you can keep it in, in its folders. So I'll just upload a folder to my 2020 um, like folder within my Amazon Prime thing. And uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome, actually. So well, there well, you fuck go. Me. Well, that's what <laughs> I do. So that's what I, because I told you when we talked that I'm gonna learn more from this than the actual people that watch so, it because I'm actually paying attention. So I, I don't I can't confirm this, but a friend of mine, um, Drew Gibson, and my, my other friend Nick Dungan, we had a conversation about this in Macau last year, and they I don't know if it's firewall or if it was something um, on their end in England when they're at home, but 
Amazon Prime wasn't the same. Uh, he, he said it was really slow to upload for Prime for him, and he was like, it wasn't worth the heartache. And I was like, well, mine just goes like. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, I have, mine's main rights ridiculously fast here too. Yeah, and it's all wired in, so that's actually brilliant because, like, that whole hard drive thing—it's great, but you a you spend a shit ton of money on hard drives. Where do you keep all these hard drives? Do you buy all the same hard? Like we did this so I have, I, job, like the arguments in, and back and forth. In this desk right here, I have like twenty hard drives, and I need to I need to put them on backup hard drives, and I'm also working through uploading them to the internet as well. So the internet yeah, thing then, is ultimately where I want them to be. And then your hard drives, like at a certain point in time, like say you've got photos on a hard drive for 15 years, you should probably take those photos and put them on a new hard drive because that hard drive is eventually going to fail even if you're not these, using these, it on a consistent basis. Yeah, these hard drives, like I, in 15 years, they're not going to be like, I'm worried about putting, even plugging in my stuff from like, you know, three or four or five years ago. I don't use it that often, but when I do plug it in, it does concern me that one day it's going to like, like that sign, that sand grinding yeah, sound in it. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. Like I, like I was just the biggest idiot when I started doing all this stuff because I, A, I just never thought that it would even like be a full-time job or like anything beyond just like I'm taking pictures of horses and it's really fun and ha ha ha, here's my shots of the horses that I like, right? And like I had a massive hard drive crash in 2008 that like during an earthquake i had a big cal ripkin autographed baseball like what the fuck am i doing with an autographed baseball in my fucking bedroom as an adult and things fell off and hit the hard drive just think and like gone i had another ad for photo shelter before i had photo shelter i was using smug mug uh oh dude don't laugh at me now please and like apparently i just didn't I stopped paying for it because I had like an archive on there and I forgot about it and I was like, oh great, it's free service, whatever. Well, I just, my photos are gone. I can't, can't find them. It's not, they don't exist. Like, yeah. so I lost a massive chunk of shit on there, which now I'm realizing that. <laughs> so that's why I've been more diligent recently because I'm starting to realize the value of image search and all this. Also with PhotoShelter, are you using that uh, FileFlow app? I am, yeah. So It's fucking dope, dude. But, it's so good. But, but the problem with FileFlow, and I, I I'm very impressed with, with FileFlow, um, the problem is, is it doesn't show you the EXIF data for your image. So it's only looking at the front-facing side of your photo shelter image, not the back-end side. So when I'm uploading a picture to my Instagram, um, a lot of you know that I'm trying to put my EXIF data in every single picture, and you can't see the EXIF data for, on FileFlow. So, so, so you don't, don't know what you, you, don't, you don't know what you shot it at? Well, I don't know what I shot it at, or if I find a picture that I like, then I'll go and like open up my computer and find it, and I'll pull it up. Um, but it's, I mean, it's great, but it, there's like one thing that it's missing for me. Jamie, you shoot everything in Aperture Priority wide open, so like <laughs> I don't know why it's so difficult for you to figure out what your exposures were. <laughs> You're like auto Man ISO. Manu manual, baby. <laughs> Um, all right, so John Krause had a good uh, question. Did you did you disable my comments and all this stuff? Because it still says twenty viewers, and like my comments haven't moved. And I have a feeling you probably disabled have, me, so I can't like interact I have, after I answer I have, everything. I have not. We have thirty viewers, all, a whole thirty people. Thank you for your wasting your time with us. Um, but John Krause wants to know, and I think it's a good question. 
Has there ever been an instance where you're overwhelmed with joy about a photo, but something during the event, is it, be it a wreck or an injury, dampened that excitement or vice versa? Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, especially yeah. around the horses, it's like, uh, it's just, yeah, it happens so, sometimes too, too many times to think about. And that's it too. Like, I think over the summer we had a, a big race that it was the Del Mar Futurity and a buddy of mine's riding the favorite and the horse tried to jump the rail and he fell off, got hit by another horse. And like, so you're shooting the race and instantly, like all you can think about is your buddy. Okay. I mean, I know Jamie's pretty close to some of the, their drivers and, and guys. And it's, that's the hardest part, I think. Like, and then yeah, when I mean, to post after too, like if you have an event like Breeders' Cup, like after the classic, I'm all pumped up. I had a really great photo, but then like everything that surrounded that and the stuff that happened after, it's like it really, really puts a dampening on me wanting to be like all positive and happy about stuff because it's. I know when a horse gets hurt in a race, I'm like devastated. It's just it really like sucks the wind, sucking the wind out of me right now. <laughs> I mean, same thing when I was in Belgium last year. Um, Antoine uh, Hubert. Uh, died in the Formula 2 race on Saturday. And, you know, Spa is always a track that I've always wanted to go to for the Formula 1 race. I went for the 24-hour a couple years ago. But with my buddy Foster Peters, who I know was watching earlier, but I don't know if he's still in here. But um, it's an amazing track. It's a special race. It's one of those, like, classic F1 venues. And it's a place that I'd always wanted to go and photograph an F1 race. And I had the opportunity last year. And when Antoine died in a horrific freak accident it just sucked the life out of the entire place and it didn't matter how many beautiful pictures i made it didn't matter yeah. you know like it didn't matter like there wasn't going to be a celebration um you know charles leclerc uh got his first win in formula one that weekend and it didn't matter like he didn't want it, it, there was no celebration there was it was horrible um so yeah, it definitely it definitely takes the joy out of you know making it's, nice pictures. It's the same feeling as like if you're playing a sport and you watch one of your buddies get hurt and have to be like get a carted off or get an ambulance and then you're like wondering it's it feels identical to that. It's not even like the same, but it's it really sucks the wind out of your sails and all that stuff happens. Yeah. Um, let's see. We keep keep the questions coming, keep throwing us stuff. Um uh, do you uh, do you scout the track before you go shoot one? Do you like when you went to Hong Kong for the first time, or if you went to di di digital scouting? Oh, you digital scout. I mean, yeah, and like I use Google Maps a lot, and like the satellite view, and I plan distances out, and like for instance, like when uh, Belmont to figure out the distance from the finish line to shoot head on if I wanted to do it. Like, I physically can't fly to New York and go stand and look and be like, okay, I'm going to need a 1,200-millimeter lens. So, like, I have to, like, use the tools at hand to, to figure that out. I think Digital Scout's awesome. Like, I'll use Getty Images and look through people's shots from a place that I've never been before to kind of get an idea, pull up video. Um, for instance, this year, Kentucky Derby is going to be run in September, hopefully. Um, I've already researched, like, the light, the time of day, like, how it's going to look to then, like, completely rechange because it's – the light's going to be brilliant and perfect, unlike ever before. So everything is now completely different. You know, you know it's going to you know it's gonna be flat gonna rain. Gray, and cloudy, right? No, it's, it's going to rain. Not even, no, it's not even going to rain. It's, it's fucking gonna... September in Kentucky. It's going to be 100 degrees and you're sweating your balls off. I, I, I know you feel the same way that I do, that like I'd rather be raining than flat and gray all day, every no. day. No. Yeah, but not right. Not not for not right now. Like if it's supposed to be like the light's supposed to be perfect. No, like, I, for I Kentucky understand. Derby, I like it sucks. So but you, if, if you, you that. But if you're going to choose raining or flat and gray 
raining all day. But all I also day. feel like I, I'm a mutter. My mother was a mutter. My mother I, was a mutter. I, I, His father I, was a mutter. <laughs> I love. See, I'm the, I'm the same way. Like when I shot the Austin six hour race a couple weeks ago, it was flat and gray. It was fifty shades of gray. It was horrible. I was so bored. I've never been so bored shooting a race in my entire life because the Toyotas couldn't compete. Like it was just like. Uh, just a trail of cars following each other and there wasn't a nice light um and it was one of the most like painful races that i've had to photograph to keep myself creative so i just ended up like doing slow pans all over the place but yeah it's horrible it's tough i mean well i don't know about you but at least for the stuff that i shoot like i feel like the rain and the weather and the elements is like the great equalizer like the cameras are so good. Autofocus is so good. All this stuff is like makes everybody pretty even, right? And then you throw in like hellacious rain. You throw in all these different elements, and like just even keeping the camera dry to make the pictures you need to make. Like for I think we talked about this before, but like for Kentucky Derby with Justify Ran, like you know how the jockeys take the Saran wrap and they they wrap it on their goggles and then they peel that off, and like the mud doesn't stick and all that. So when I went out with my 7200, I took saran wrap and covered the front element with a, like a rubber band strap. So like, as it's raining and I got two other cameras on me and the big 600, I'm not worried about anything getting in that lens. And then That's a good come idea. back when he's gonna celebrate, rip that shit off. And I've got at <laughs> least in pouring rain, I've got 25, 30 frames that That's I know that the lens is good. That's a good yeah, idea. But I think that like because it. it Little See, things like that, like, like knowing how to put the cameras so that like the splashback from the horses running the first time by protects certain lenses from other lenses, and like the strategizing of that separates from getting the shot or not getting the shot. Like the guy right next to me who has a bare camera got splashed with mud, and then mine doesn't have any mud on it. The way it was shielded by the higher camera, it blocked it. So I like I like the rain just because I feel like I have a massive advantage over other people because I'm not going to be a pansy. I'm not going to complain about the elements. I know how to keep the gear dry, and yeah. like I got a great enough relationship with Canon. Like if something gets messed up, like they're going to take care of me. So I'm not like I'm not thinking about oh fuck, please don't get this camera wet. Like I'm yeah. just thinking about please make this picture, and that's the most important thing I think in, in rainy days. All right, so we got uh, another good question, but I really like this one actually. Do you get anxious before a shoot, before a big shoot, and how do you beat that? I like not that anymore. Question. Not anymore. Never. Like, never. You know, you don't get nervous ever. Like before the start of the derby, or like the I don't know, like the the Hong Kong Derby, or I don't know, World Cup, or or Breeders Cup Classic, or something. You don't get nervous at all. No, because you're so focused on it. Like you've, it's been you've been there all day. Like you've worked, like it's just horse racing. You've worked out the kinks, and okay, like, what about, I've accepted so, the fact that I can't control where they're gonna run for remotes. So like once I've let go of that, which was a major, major issue for me, because if I missed, or, like it was a six day, sh- like like Breeders' Cup. If I fucked a remote up on the third race, I would sit when I first started and let that like grind on me for the next race and the next race and the next race, and it's like. Well, I'm letting that eat away at my psyche and my shoot. I'm missing pictures. So I, I realize I can't control that shit. That's probably why I do 27 remotes because I know I've got every part of the racetrack and the parking lot and the, everything is covered. Like I can't. The hot, the hot dog vendor. I, I, I hit the remote on enable and that magical that day and they were running on the outside rail. So like if they run on the surface, I'll have something for okay. the most part. Let me, let me rephrase the question. I started, when I started, though, I would go on shoots and, like, even at corporate jobs and, like, portraits and stuff and, like, 
I would get antsy. I would get a like warm feeling. And then I would like rush through things because I was uncomfortable telling somebody like, Hey, can you, can you stand here? Can you turn your body this way? Oh, Hey, you look a little bit better if you turn your head here. I just didn't have that in the repertoire for that. And it, it translated into like, I would feel the stress. I would start getting anxious and antsy, but I didn't want anyone else to know that. So I would kind of rushed through things and then I would get back to the computer and look at the stuff and be like, Oh, I didn't place the light in the right spot. I didn't. And so I think doing a lot of that and like in a job that I wasn't really comfortable with, I think I'm so comfortable with the horses and that sport and what I'm doing. And I've worked it into a science that I've eliminated it there, but I know, I know the feeling. And then you come back to the computer and it's like, Oh, if I only did this, Oh, this photo could have been great, but I didn't do this. And it was all just because I was rushing and I was nervous and antsy and uncomfortable. Um, I really think it's just like, you need to remind yourself to slow down, take a breath Thermals have taught me a lot about it because you get put in situations like where you're just, it's go, go, go. And you have to solve a problem so quickly that the only way to do it is just to like slow down, think through the process and make things like a process, like do X, Y, Z and it will work out. I, I, totally, I totally agree with that. I, I still get nervous like on big race mornings where I know, um, but there's just a ton that I have to do a lot of a lot on the shot list. Um, you know, maybe like maybe it's going to be raining all day and you're nervous about keeping your cameras like working till the end of it. Um, but uh, again, like there's uh, there's so much just out of my control that I just kind of the more nervous I get. It's almost like when I was when I was a jockey or when I was, you know, a swimmer, the, the, the good nervous energy is good. Because it makes yeah, you like, yeah, yeah. it makes you focus. It makes you want more, and it makes you kind of like almost like a, a heightened awareness where I'm like really seeing stuff. But then there's a the bad nervous energy where you just you're just like working yourself up into like a a frenzy where it's nothing is working. So there's like yeah, a yeah, there's like the whole, a, and it happens gotta, too, especially when you start. It happens all the time. Yeah. You chase your tail. You chase the wrong things because you're you're worked up, and it's. Uh, I like it's, that question. Fuck, it's, cra- it's crazy. It's crazy how much of photography is like a mental game too. Like, okay. I don't know you, like, we're shooting all day, but like for the horses, like you see for breeders cup, it's like two, three days or it's all two weeks of prep and then a day of racing. And then your biggest race is at the very end of it. When you haven't eaten all day, when you haven't been like, you're exhausted when it comes down to the big race for horse racing. It's not yeah. just like you show up for that one thing and that's all you do. So the do. mental toughness and the, well, yeah, a lot of people do. Um, but the mental toughness and the preparedness for that, I think, is is really, really, really important. So, like I remember too back in the day, like with like, people, like if you haven't shot, like when the cameras weren't what they are now, like battery life used to be an issue. So like yeah. you have all your remotes and you're shooting all day, and like I didn't have enough money to spend two hundred fifty dollars on an extra battery for every camera that I had. So it's like, how do you make the battery life last to like the big race? That was like a super stressful thing. Or like memory cards. Now their cards are just so big. You don't even think about memory on cameras, but that was an issue too back in the day. Cause a gigabyte card was 110 bucks. Yep. It's True. shooting raw and it burns. And what do you think about this though, Jamie? Like, I don't know. Like when I played hockey, it was like game day when you're going to go play, you have like a routine, like I would eat the same thing. I would do the same thing. And it's almost like a way of getting your body ready. Like you're telling your body you're about to go do something. And I've noticed it's like that for photography, especially when I'm like on the road, like in Hong Kong, like 
it's pretty much a routine that I go through before I go to the track every day. It's like get up a little early, shower. I pack all the gear the night before, get up, take a shower, open everything up, and just go through it all. I put cards in all the cameras now which is kind of a new thing that I haven't done before. Make sure all the cameras are ready to go. The batteries are ready to go. Like, so there's no question when I get there that like, yeah. I don't, I'm not missing memory cards. I'm not missing charge batteries. Like it's so, all ready to go. And then so I get we, there early. Remember last week when we talked about uh, somebody asked us photographers that we really respect. And um, I mentioned Chris Ricard and I remember in a podcast recently, he, that I listened to, I think it was maybe polar pros podcast, but he said something like, he was asked like whether how much luck plays into his photography and obviously there's a lot of luck in photography just inherently especially if we're working outdoors like he does with landscapes or like yeah. we do with sports and he was like but you can mitigate so much of that luck like i remember he said like something to the effect of if you put a memory card in you've already taken some of the luck out if you put a battery in even better like if you put if you actually push the frame when you want to push the frame you know, like luck is luck is a huge part of it, but you can take a lot of that out. I mean, like at Breeders Cup, like we had a guy change a battery and he didn't plug the camera back in. Sweet. Like, he didn't plug the camera back <laughs> in. And so like, I, I was looking at the pictures at the end of the day and I'm like, where the fuck is the 300 shot? I'm like, I had it double covered and it was backed up with another camera and it looked better anyway. But then that's what the issue was. Like cameras just don't not fire. Like when you push the button within <laughs> 10 of them all fire and one There's doesn't. A- there's always a reason. Always. Right. But yeah, it's like, I think, I dude, it's it's crazy, but like the little things. All right, let's hit a couple of these. Uh, our, our good buddy Carolyn wants to know what you how you determine what you charge clients when you start out. And that is a tough question because it is different for everybody. And it's different for the client that you have. It's different for the market that you have. You know, if you live in New York or L.A., like this idiot does, um, your cost of living is like three or four or five or ten times higher than it is here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I own my house for probably less than you pay in rent, I would guess. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And what, I what's, have, what's, what's home ownership? Uh, for us, it's eight. 1850 a month, and uh, it's a 2,800-square-foot house, and I own it. Yeah, I'm never running a home, dude. No way. I, was, I literally, my sister so, has bought property in Raleigh. We talked about it. Anyway, continue. So, so, so that's like where it's it's hard because you know, and that's just the United States. We have people here from all over the world watching this. Um, I don't know what your cost of living is. So generally, it's for me, it's what I feel like is fair based on the client. Like if Coca Cola emails me and says, "Hey, we want to use a, an image for a billboard." I'm going to charge the shit out of them because I know that that picture is going to get seen by like tons and tons and tons of eyes. Um, and that's where that social media hasn't like we've a lot of, a lot of photographers have kind of just undone all of that work, just giving pictures for free. Like I'm not going to say the name out loud, but there's a company, an Italian sports car brand that starts with an L and they, if you see a picture credited, on their feed, it's been given for free. And yeah, there's a massive misconception in photography of getting 
paid to be a photographer and getting photo credit to be a photographer. And they're fucking very different things. Very different things. So like we were asked last week, like, how hard is it to shoot an F1 race? It is not hard to go shoot an F1 race. Almost anybody that I know could go get a F1 credential if they really wanted to find, if they really wanted to do it. Getting paid to shoot a race or an F1 race or a horse race or an NFL game or whatever it is, is an entirely different thing so it is What's, it's really what? that doesn't answer carolyn's question but the, I, got, I got the answer the, for it though okay fire away hey so there's one thing and it's like i think to test your price point number one if you're so busy like if you are so busy you don't have time to shoot stuff your prices are way too low number one but you, if that, that's just how it's going to work out but i think there's like the no factor like you at least i think you want to be told no like, if I'm quoting out something, Jamie, you're like, hey, uh, I'm doing a billboard, right? Jamie, Jamie's putting up a billboard in North Carolina, he wants to buy my photo, right? And he goes, hey, what's the price? I want Jamie to tell me no, basically. I want him to go, hey, that's a little out of line. We're more thinking this. So I'm going to go, hey, what's your budget for this? Or I might just say, hey, this is the market value for this picture. And I'll figure it out a lot of times by using, like, basically – an ad agency is going to go to like a stock photo library. They're going to go to Getty Images. They're going to go to these places. And on Getty, you can basically build out a pricing profile for their pictures and apply that to your work. Just pretend because it's your it, picture that you're looking at. doesn't and matter actually, what photo and, and, it is. Hey, Pick hey, a similar I, market. Photo Shelter has the same thing. Keep going. When the fuck is Photo Shelter going to pay us, dude? I've said Photo Shelter like 95 times. I'm kicking them 60-something bucks a month for like 20 years, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you you just have to use those tools because I know an ad agency is going to go and use that price point. And I've had a couple clients where I've dealt with agencies. And that's what I did is I took that pricing tool. They want a thing for whatever the, whatever the use was. And I put it in Getty. And then I put in my personal fee. I mark up because I think what I shoot is better than what is out there on Getty. I think it's more unique and creative and it's the Alex Evers brand, my style of shot. I'm going to put out your work too. I'm going to talk positively to your brand. I'll put in my markup fee on the Getty price and that's where I start. And then if I get a no there, great. I've got a floor where I know if they have to buy it at from Getty Image, it's, it's going to cost X amount of dollars. And then I just kind of work in between that point to figure it out. And I've been doing that for two three well since i've got freelance basically that's my pricing guideline and it's it's worked pretty well yeah i mean for for me i've been very lucky in that i have some great mentors that i've had along the way um that i can talk to very candidly about a lot of this stuff um james moy being being one of them he's a very good friend of mine and also somebody that i respect immensely and he and i bounce bounce price stuff off each other not regularly but when i've especially when i've had questions um you know like a big brand wanted me to to put in an estimate to be their team photographer this year i threw him some numbers and he like said we were almost on the same page and a lot of it is based on the sport like you can come in and and try and charge like 20 grand a weekend in f1 but you're not going to get anything you're not you're literally not going to get any work yeah you're so, you know, you're going to you're going to find out pretty quickly where that like right price point is for you, because if, if you if you give like five estimates or five proposals to people and all five say, yes, you're too low. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I this, 
photography is business. If I tell this, I tell people this all the time, and we've talked about this when we had the um, previous editions of Rated Raw before our lives got so busy. Um, but photography is a business. Never, ever, 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 ever forget that. You and I have both learned the hard way that if you're going to go to school, you you do not need to go to school necessarily to learn how to take a picture. There's the, the University of YouTube, like the University of Alex Evers' Instagram, the University of my Instagram. You could copy the settings that I have on my on every picture if you wanted to. No amount of school is going to replace you picking up a camera, shooting every day, being self-motivated, putting in the work and editing over and over and over again. It's like the gym. If you want to be fucking ripped and you want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you got to lift the weight, dude. Like, that's just it. You can't. But. It's true. There's a a ton, and I know tons of very talented photographers, tons of them, but they will never make $1 as a photographer because they have because they have no business sense this is a business i'm not doing this for fun i love my job and it is fun but i don't do it for fun this isn't something that i do for a hobby like kim illman does like a lot of you if you're motorsport photographers i'm sure you've heard his name he's literally already a millionaire he started as a millionaire like i don't know what his what his business is he's a very good businessman but he he shoots F1 for free. He flies around the world for free. He gets on first class Emirates airlines for free because he has because so many, he's because he's familiar. already, because he's already had him, he's already made his millions. He doesn't need to charge anything because he doesn't, this isn't his livelihood. He does it for fun. So well, that's what rattles me. Like when you get like the doctor that gets the fucking, he's, he's, he makes a fucking fortune doing anesthesia and he buys a 400 to eight. And then on the weekends he goes out and works for free. And, and like, that's, and that's what all of, I like, can't compete with that. All of these guys that shoot like, um, like somebody asked us earlier, if some, if, if you and I shoot team sports, I've shot NFL, I've shot college stuff. You've done some, NFL. You've, you've shot NFL, um, Texans assistant, bud. Yeah, so like, I've we've both shot a lot of team sports. Most of the people you see on the sidelines are working for a a wire agency, and sadly, tons and tons and tons of those people are doing it for a hundred dollars, maybe like maybe per for the day, and and they will get like a part of a residual sale but you don't want to know how much it like um like some of these magazines and newspapers pay for a let's call it a quarter page image it is pathetic you will never make a living selling stuff editorially ever well you can't you can't unfortunately like the cost of gear versus the price of pictures in editorial print media like that it's never, never, never gonna work. Like it just this doesn't make sense. You can't afford you can't afford a four hundred two eight slinging eight dollar and twenty five cent pictures for quarter page in a newspaper. Yeah. Like the math behind it just doesn't work. Nope. Jose Maria Diaz. Yep, I agree. It's it's so Jose hey, is a, Jose I, I is a motorsport so photographer to, with me. And to, to the thing with pri- to the thing with pricing, I wanna hear I wanna hear no. Like I think the worst thing is if you're like you quote a price for a job, right? And J- say Jamie needs like family portraits, and I'm like, oh Jamie, that's gonna cost you uh, 200 bucks. And Jamie's like, sweet dude, 
I'm like, fuck, dude. I probably could have. That, that's probably a $500 job. Or that's like, I feel like that's the worst. Like, I want to know the point, the price point, the pressure point. Yeah. It's, um, it's tough. It's really like, it's the hardest part of being a photographer is knowing where to set your price point. And it also takes being a, like good at communication where you can have a candid, candid conversation with a client about like, if you, if you throw them a price, like if they just say flat, no, then there needs to be an ability for you to respond and say, okay, what's your budget for this? And then we can scale back from there. Like if they say our budget is, you know, $2,000, okay, here's what $2,000 will get you because $2,000 is under where I want to be. So if somebody throws me $2,000 or, or whatever it is, or like $200, I'm going to say, okay, I have clients that are paying five times more than that. Like we talked about last week, you're going to be at this, this level of priority. You're going to get your pictures when I feel like getting you your pictures. (laughs) And not yeah, one I mean, minute but before. You, but you have to do that because like the people that that pay the premium should be getting the most, the best. The, because they're paying the premium. It's like when, when And you have you, to value that though. If you give that premium for two hundred dollars up here just for the sake of doing it, like it devalues your top end. Yes. If right? you if if you are like think of photography like an airline. There's how many different like ticket price points are there on on delta these days like there's like first class business class delta comfort the main cabin and then there's like one even below that and, and then if you, you you fly with the bags That's what <laughs> I fly. right and, and and then if you're not on that you're like you know you're on southwest or something but um with hey, those price you, points with those price points come come like luxuries and it's the same thing with photography like if you pay if you pay what i want you to pay i will do whatever you want <laughs> you know like dude the hong kong jockey club has legit an archive on my photo shelter for yeah. like three years now and it's all captioned all keyworded all you can just go through it all. it's all right there just for them like it's it's sick and, but and no they says that. And, and you love them and they love you and they are a great love client them. and i have the same kind of clients where i will do anything for you if you call me at 3 a.m you better believe i'm getting out of bed and i will go find you that picture because you know if if they're in italy or china or wherever they say hey child jamie we need a picture from five years ago i will get out of bed if i see that email i will get out of bed and go find it if somebody but if if one of my clients that like pays almost nothing or is just just routinely like a problem child with paying late or not paying enough or just not paying at all for something and I, I have to keep chasing why would i get out of bed for you like literally why would i get about get out of bed for you it is a business this the photography is a lot of fun like jose said it's it is his job uh i love racing he loves racing we all love racing but it is also my job and i'm going to treat it like my business because it is my business Dude, well, so think about this. Like, so back when American Fair ran the Triple Crown in Belmont, like I was my I got my corporate job, I had other shit going. Like the economics of flying me out wasn't there. Like I was gonna have to pay my own way, and like I was just like, fuck it, I'm not gonna go to pay to lose money on this. He won the Triple Crown. Now knowing what I know about image licensing, I probably lost a lot of money not going to it. But at the time, it was a business decision. It was like I've seen so many horses lose that race, like for my whole life. That's all I've seen. So like. 
I'm, and I'd say Preston, I'm not paying my way or I'm not paying to play. Like I don't need to be there that fucking badly. And yeah. I haven't paid to go shoot anything since like that's just, okay. but I think like you have to be able to accept that. Like you're going to miss out on shit. Unfortunately, when you start, like it's just the yeah. cold hard facts about it. Yep. But you'll, I mean, it'll, you'll, you'll learn from it. And that's ultimately the only thing that matters is you'll like, just stick with it and it'll, you'll figure it out eventually. Um, Emily Davenport, who I haven't seen in years. Uh, hi, Emily had a great kind of point. Um, but not one that I necessarily agree with. So, but it does apply to you as well, Alex. Um, you could get a job with an agency and it saves all these pricing dramas. Yes, but you don't have any control over your business. So, with with a lot of these agency guys, like what's happening in Formula One right now, the bottom has fallen out of the the market right now, and they're not racing. Forget the not racing, but the bottom has fallen out of the market. So a lot of these guys, you know, for whatever reason, they've like the LAT guys have lost a lot of their jobs because you know freelancers have taken them because the clients want a more personal touch. I personally love working with an agency every now and then. I love working with James. I love working with Russ and Laurent and all these guys. And I love working with the agency that I work for and shooting Macau. Um, but the rest of the stuff that I shoot is all just me. And I would rather be my own boss than be told where to go, when to go. Here's how much you're being paid. There's For me, there's not like there's no motivation to go bust my ass for somebody else's pocketbook. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're financially staked in on everything like that, like I mean, I, when I worked that corporate gig, it's like you get your salary, you're getting paid regardless if you make a picture or not. It's great. I'm sure during a time like this, like I'd probably be paid a salary. But at the same time, like not having the freedom to call your own shots, it's I don't know. I'll take I think I'll take the lean times and I'll take the risk and I'll take all the downside to have that creative freedom. So Daniel Gons has a uh, kind of a follow up question to that when hired by an agency for a client, how does the agency block the client from hiring you directly? They can't. And that is why it's a problem to work for an agency. You can get yourself into that problem because they cannot stop you there. There sometimes there is contractual stuff where you're not allowed to um, to work for like a client for a certain number of years. So let's take Drew Gibson, for example, those of you that know Drew very well, um, Drew was LAT photographic shooting motorsports for many years. Aston Martin was one of their clients and they loved Drew more than they loved LAT. I believe I might be speaking out of turn, but this is how he tells it. And he, when he left LAT went to, and went freelance, he <laughs> took, uh, Aston Martin with him and I have never worked for an agency that I've then taken a client with me um, but I can understand how it would happen because I've built very close connections with my clients they're, they're not just clients they're friends these are people that I have invited to my wedding I send Christmas cards to we text regularly as friends not just like hey I need this picture like these are people that I very much relate to on a personal level so uh, they can't stop you from doing that, but you will never get hired by that by that agency again. And burning bridges is always a dangerous thing. Anything to add to that? <laughs> I mean, fuck, dude. I don't know. Like, I, I can wrap this in full circle with pricing and everything and business and investment, dude. I took a flight to New York before Belmont a couple years ago. 
two days early, incurred all the costs myself, went out there, met with an agency, went through their pitch, talked to them, and they really just wanted to use my images in what they were creating for a brand. And that was the bottom line. I thought it was kind of bullshit at the end of the day. I was like, oh, whatever, right? But I stayed in touch with them. They ended up wanting to buy some shots, and I used that pricing method that I talked about a little earlier and put my markup on it. And I reached a point where they were like, I know exactly what happened. The agency was like, well, fuck, if we buy the pictures from him, we can't mark them up ourselves and sell them back to the client because the price point won't work. Cheers. And so they go, well, hey, here's our rep over there. We still want to work with you. They just forward me directly to the clients. I dealt with them, negotiated all the rights, what they needed the pictures for, this, that, the other, skipped the agency part and made what I would have made plus the markup on it and have a good relationship with the agency still and the client on the back end. I don't know. I think I was able to finesse it super well, but I can see what you're saying. Where like, if you burn an agency bridge or somebody that has like say in your career, how detrimental that could possibly be. Yeah, I mean, there's not like photography is a very small community. Like, forget forget sports. Like, just photography no, in general, guy. it's very small. You know, that's how I got a lot of my motorsport work is from the horse racing world. That's how small it is. Is horse racing and car racing, like. It's just photography. It's sports photography. So if you're interested in sports photography, burning bridges is never necessarily a good thing. And I have burned bridges. You have burned bridges. We have all burned bridges. I've tried to rebuild a lot of those bridges over the years. I'm now much older, have some gray hairs, have more experience. Um, well, yeah, when you're 24 and 25, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, like I that's, just, that's in anything, you, in anything you don't. That's why you liked me is because I was flaming <laughs> old white men on, on sports <laughs> shooters. So, you're um, like, hey, fuck your day job as an anesthesiologist. Go buy a 400 swing, you fucking prick. <laughs> Yeah, without the without the accent, but yeah, like it's it's really it's not a good idea to burn bridges. But um, if you if you have the the like business sense in you where you think you can really um, make a go at photography full time, I would advise against the agency life. There's a couple agencies. I don't want to like name names, but there's a couple agencies where you own your images for the, for for your lifetime. And then there are okay. in perpetuity, and then there are a couple agencies where you do not. You will never own those images if you take them on your camera so with you your eyes. You paid for it, but you got paid to be there for the agency. And I think you can probably guess what I'm talking about, Alex. Yeah. Um, I I have shot for these agencies, and. I have many pictures that I love that I could probably put on my web store and sell prints of, but I'm not allowed to because I do not own that image. I took the image, but I do not own the image. And you need to understand the difference between taking an image and owning an image. So if I'm working, if I'm working for myself, I own the image. Like I have it in my contract that I own all of my images. Like I, they do not own the image. They own the license to the image for one year or two years or however many years I deem they're allowed to have it. Um, but you know, most of the time that's the case where you own your image, but there are a couple agencies out there that you do not own your images. And that is an important thing to, to understand and to understand the gravity of, because you might take like one of those pictures that is just life changing. Like it, it is a Pulitzer winning type photo or a major sports like picture like 
I don't know, just so right now, images. The, Biden, the Biden photo, right? The Biden photo of his wife where the protester came up and like she's pushing away and she's got her arm pushing Joe Biden back. That photo was taken by a Bloomberg news photographer on a work for hire agreement. So like, from my understanding, they gave him double, they paid him double rate for that photo, but since he doesn't own it, it just ends there with that agency. Now think about this. That photo, that's a day rate photo working for a client, which work for hire happens all the time. I think it's important to know work for hire versus the other type of agreements that you can shoot under. But you don't own that photo. So you give up everything and the opportunity. A lot of times these work for hire type agreements too, like you're kind of giving up your image rights for access to some of these events too. Like uh-huh. how else are you going to get in, you know? Or the photo of the um, after the Vancouver Canucks lost the Stanley Cup Finals against Boston, and there's the riots outside, and it's a couple laying down, kissing on the ground with the riot police behind him. That photo was taken on the game raid. The guy just took his camera out as he was leaving, working for an agency, shot that photo, sent it in. Viral Global does not own the photo. So, like understanding what it, what the what the contracts are getting to, the difference between work for hire or owning your own copyright or relicensing. Like a lot of deals I do is I own the image that I take and I release the rights back to a client. So, like in Hong Kong, they get I own everything; they get the rights in perpetuity to use for whatever purpose they need, and they pay for that. Uh, so Emily's responding. I so. She says she owns uh, a picture is important at the time, but I have thousands of pictures on agency websites and never thought about any of them. I agree it's important at the time, but you could also be making a hell of a lot of money now on these pictures because I see them all the time. I see your pictures all the time. Um, so it's, it is important at the time, but also you could also like be making residual income just from your amazing set from Robert Kubica's crash in Canada a couple years ago where you wouldn't have like if you owned that picture outright um, you know like it's yeah (laughs) but no one tells you like when you go to school like when I went to Brooks for like a hot second like nobody told you the value of image rights and like how to manage the rights and like different uses and different price points in like in that it's all so important because that's like that's literally what you have like it's all you have is the pictures that you've taken like to me everyone talks about annie Leibowitz and her how what great photographer she is but right now she doesn't own any of her work so like Fuck! <laughs> great, you, you took all those cool pictures, but you don't but own she, them. But she, but she leverages. It's her... like renting a fucking car, dude, and driving a Lamborghini one day. Like you don't own a Lamborghini, dude. You drove a Lamborghini. Yeah, I've driven a Lamborghini, but I don't own one. Yeah. Kelly's <laughs> making fun of me. She's all sick of analogy, bud. Um, the best place. We are recording. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> Um, there's a a Twitter account, there's a Twitter account called, um, photography lawyer maybe. And I think she has a blog and it's pretty interesting stuff to look at. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good one. Photo shelter, you can, you can get image rights agreements off photo shelter because they do some licensing stuff off the site where people will get into like buy digital rights and shit. So there's agreements built into that as well. So you can take those and play around with them and. 
I don't know. I did an, I did an image licensing agreement last year, and I had to spend a couple of weeks researching and reading and finding agreements and going through all of it. And I mean, to be honest, like even in my agreements on horse racing stuff, because the client, the way it is, like I don't want somebody to take a photo of mine and use it for like an anti horse racing ad. Like that's not what I'm about. So I've got clauses in mind, like the photos, if they're used for nefarious purposes or something that's detrimental to my brand or horse racing, like there's legal action that's going to be taken on that too. So yeah, um, protecting myself and my products and everything else, like fuck, it's important, dude. Totally. I agree. Um, whoa, this is a long one. Someone said, said something about shooting different events outside of like, you're a car guy. I'm a horse guy. Let's just leave it at that. Um, what sports would you want to shoot, dude? Uh, what sports do I want to shoot? Um, I love so golf. Like, like if you could document I'm, a season of something, what season? What sport for one season would you document? That's the um, question. Not baseball because it looks boring as shit. Not cricket because it looks boring as shit. If I was going to follow like a team or a player, I've really enjoyed Supercross. I've only did three races of it, but it was pretty awesome. Um, motorcycle racing, I think I would probably choose motorcycle racing over like I don't know MotoGP you? I like that I mean I've shot NHL so I've done that a bit but probably documenting a team for like a whole season like being embedded with an NHL team 82 games well hopefully more hopefully the playoffs too but uh, getting in and like just flying and taking like photojournalism of the whole thing yeah, what, what does Presley have to say? I don't, I don't know because he's he's written such a damn long message. Tell me, I think we can, I think we can all agree that some events are saturated for, with photographers. Besides being one of the top guys in sport, like Alex. Dot dot dot. That's all I've got to read from. So, su- summarize your question, a statement. <laughs> summarize your question. <laughs> yeah, um, hey, text text, text me your text me your question or carry my gear more. <laughs> um, I have shot MotoGP. I just haven't shot. I've shot one race of MotoGP, so uh, it's it's pretty awesome. I would love to do more of it. Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna type it out here. You got a question there about clients? Um, okay, hang on. We've got one come. So when you're talking about clients, do you mainly mean race teams itself or some other editorialish? Uh, editorialish doesn't really like. There's a few that would count that I would count as a client, but not a ton because there's just, there's not much money there. So like you're going to make 200 bucks for, you know, a, a day's work. It's not worth calling them a client really. Um, yeah. Uh, but I'm mainly talking about race teams, big, bigger sponsors, people that might use an image outside of what has been agreed to kind of thing. Um, most editorials don't, they just don't have that much flex. If they give away an image, that's an entirely different story and it's happened before, but yeah. Yeah. Obviously, do you have clients that, do you have clients that give away images on an editorial yeah. scale that like, that definitely like take away your editorial ability to, to pursue that as a income stream? Yeah. It's a problem with motorsport in that a lot of the teams, same with horses, they just give out, uh, rights free images and you see, like you see your pictures i've i see them all like i was talking with a friend of mine morgan pesco who's the videographer for lamborghini and he and i were saying that cumulatively like our work has been seen by billions billions of people so but be it in print online social it is 
mind-blowing how many people see our pictures that we make for Lamborghini and none of it has my name on it. Nobody knows that it's mine. But they've paid really well for that ability to have it just be their picture and not have it attributed you, to anyone. Do you care person. do you care though? No, because I can still count it as mine and um, you know, they're they're one of the exceptions to that because they pay for like they, they are the top tier like client in terms of pay for me that I I'm okay with that. If you're in like the middle or lower tier, I want that respect also. And and Lamborghini does also like throw me a lot of work. They also do credit me um, my pictures and when it's in print, they do credit a lot of my stuff. So it says Jamie Price for Lamborghini on the on the images um, in their magazine and books and things like that. But on social, they don't at all. But if you ever see you know pictures credited they've gotten them for free which is fine but you know somebody's given that picture away for free and just devalued the entire photography market hey that's interesting that they don't credit you on the, their work socially yeah i mean i mean they don't, been, they don't have to like it's not no i mean they, they, they rights to it right they pay they pay really well um it's fine but when we're talking like smaller race teams or smaller clients i have in my contract that i need to be credited because I'm not standing out in the sun and rain just for fun. Like, if, well, dude, if, about, if, if you're not paying, like, top-tier rates, you are going to credit me because it's like, does Steven Spielberg or um, Quentin Tarantino or these other, like, does any... Here, actually, this let's, 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 Tarantino no, 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 and no, no, Steven let's, Spielberg of motorsport Let me dumb it down even more. Have you ever seen a writer not get credited for their piece? Ever. Even editor like like an editorial or an op ed or even a um, like No, a they have a thing called plagiarism, dude. <laughs> right. No, there's so no plagiarism that, for fucking photography. That doesn't exist for photographers, but somehow we're always shit on when like people say, Well, why do you care about being credited for your images? It's the same fucking thing. I want to be credited for my work. I stood out at that corner for an hour in the rain, like putting my life like my literally my life is at risk it might not always seem like it but my life is at risk when i'm standing out at these at these corners i hate you peter Lipinski. <laughs> yeah that was funny dude <laughs> that got me to laugh a little bit hey what's hey peter, peter Lipinski like scott <laughs> peter <laughs> peter Lipinski's nickname is penis lapdansky so shut up um but so if i'm if i'm out in a corner I'm literally putting my life at risk. Why can't somebody just tag me? Like, just put me on your, like, caption for your Instagram post. I, dude, after seeing that photographer from Wired Magazine get run over by the loose horse, <laughs> like, I mean, you can't, I can't argue that you're not put, you're putting your life at risk out there, you know? Devin, there's, I agree that it does happen a lot, but it does, it happens a hell of a lot more with uh, photographers because they, and, you can just find an image and you're like, you just, you just you just post it and nobody cares. Like, whereas if if a New York Times writer just said like, you know, had their work posted by or cross posted by somebody, like I saw somebody on Twitter the other day like all fired up because a website had cross posted their image or their their text. And I was like, this happens to me every day, like literally every day, every single day. Well, there's just there's no like. Yes, Tony, it's a Bud Light party. Go get one. There's no guideline. Yeah, if you're drinking a Bud Light, screen grab you a picture and send it to me. We're going to have social 
social drinking, <laughs> social distancing. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've got another question. Did did Chris ever respond? Yeah, he, he, he wrote his question in there. Find it. It's a, it's a, uh, above Justin Week's question. Uh, do you do you think we will see less photographers at these events after the COVID break, outbreak? More of the economic factors, not just health issues. Well, uh, dude, to be honest, I think a I think part of the Santa Anita issue too, um, with the massive shutdowns there, in addition to like the city thing, is and I saw it the first week that they were open with no crowds. I've never seen more photographers at the racetrack at Santa Anita because they're all for, unemployed. Other, other than Breeders' Cup, like aside from like the, the big races, like there every news agency in LA was out there and like. I know they're just trying to limit the amount of, of people coming into that environment because it is a closed off environment and they can keep operating that way. But like, I don't know, man. I don't think I, maybe with maybe like in the direct aftermath of everything that there might be yeah. some sort of limiting of stuff. I know the I, Hong Kong Jockey Club was limiting like the photo scrum. Like it was like, hey guys, like shut down the forty five people running to all shoot the same picture. Maybe just like one guy from each agency go over and do your thing and. I think it'll. A little bit. I think we'll see a drop initially, but then I think things are going to return to like pretty normal fairly quickly. But that's just my hunch. I think. But to start with, I mean, it's, I, I've seen uh, projections that like as many as like twenty percent or thirty or forty percent of the restaurants across the nation are going to like not. Oh, oh, he's saying just like a lot of freelancers shutting down shop. Dude, yeah, probably because like if you're paycheck to paycheck during times like this, like it's gonna be fucking really, really hard to survive. And who knows, like when assignments and real photojournalism I mean, work or I, I have a, like I don't know. I have friends that have had to take like full time jobs during this that are fr- freelance photographers. I think eventually that they are gonna, um, they're I mean they're they're already struggling. So let's take a couple more questions i am gonna go for a bike ride with the family in six minutes so you've got six minutes to throw your questions we're gonna do this again next next wednesday should we do it later because i've had some people requesting later i can do later it's hard for me to get up at noon to be honest to do this (laughs) it's hard to start drinking i I, dude i have my life has no purpose right now like i don't have any like i literally just play fucking xbox all day with chris crestick he carries he carries my gear at the racetrack and then he carries me at Call of Duty. And that's about it. Like, I don't know. Like I just feel like the biggest fucking loser right now. I just right. play like spots got, and drink beers. So so Carolyn wants it later, so we're gonna go with later next week. We'll we'll figure out a time. Um, or do we go or do we or do we go actually just limit it to one hour and we do it twice a week, like a Tuesday, Thursday, and do it later. Twice you know, a week. The kid, not me. Oh, yeah, twice a week. To do. I have I, nothing I, else to do. Well, I have lots to do, so yeah, that's not going to work. For I me. can't we, drink. We can do. That's right. We can do. That's we can right. do. We can do once a week. Um, but yeah, but the problem is we're not getting to all these questions, and maybe the better idea was to would What's be up in Spain. Stay safe in Spain, please. DM us some questions, and we can hit them during our next scheduled Instagram live. How about that? And we'll have we'll have YouTube live up next time too, if the internet gets better. Apparently, maybe if Alex can figure his shit out. I, I probably have to get up before 11.30 to figure it out. Maybe that's well, the problem. We're gonna, well, we're going to do it later, so you've got no excuses now. So send us your screen grab. <laughs> that's that's coffee right there. <laughs> Tony can't drink all day if you can.
Stones is Darnell that, Moore. That and Manchego and him are going to do one with drinking sangria and tequila shots. That's the funniest one I've heard. The Mama Beachy Boys podcast. Yeah. All right, um, boys. You want to shut it down, well, Jamie, or we, we got one more? One or two more? I'm not doing anything. Maybe Alex should do his own Instagram live. He's, he's, he's the real hero here. Uh, man, you're, ju- you're just joining at the end of this. Um, yeah, let's let's shut it down. Send us um, send us questions. What is Kelly doing? Is she like building a house or something? I don't know. She's doing Kelly. What are you doing in there, dude? You doing dishes? Kelly, what the fuck's going on in there? Yes, mom, meatloaf. Kelly, I want lunch. I want lunch now. Um, Can you bring that tuna melt in here? Hey, no lie, getting married was the best thing I ever did. Like I didn't realize that we're gonna stuck in quarantine. Don't, don't worry. Cook like I was, I'm loving hey, Perry, it. Perry, don't worry. I, I, I think if we, like, so we've gone over the hour limit. I have no idea what's going to happen to this if I just cancel it. So maybe you should cancel, end it, and then share it to yours. I don't know. Oh, fuck, yeah, because it's two hours? I don't know. We're going to go YouTube Live for sure next time, though. And maybe we'll get, get Kelly we'll have, we'll, have Kel- we'll have Kelly start cooking cooking food. We'll give you, dude, she's making friendship bracelets, too. Look at this little one for the Delmar colors. Cool as ever. If you want one, DM me. I'll have Kelly make you bracelets. That's cute. You're so California. Jesus. You want a, you want a, you, you want a friendship bracelet, Jamie? No. Can we? When are when are we going to share the Bob Costas story? When are we going to talk about Bob Costas? We got to we got to keep teasing. We got to we got to keep, string, keep, we gotta keep it, stringing people along for it. Kelly just uh. yells, "Let it go." <laughs> I'll just say this: bag. Bob Costas is a douchebag. He's one of the most douchebaggy people I've ever met in my life. Real talk. I agree. Um, all right, so so here's what you all need to do. You all need to send me or Alex questions. I'll screen grab them, save them for next time, and then we'll hit up uh, we'll hit those questions up first thing in the morning. Um, yeah. Hey, <laughs> Devin, pink Devin, eye Devin, mom, Devin, 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 look at this guy. Look at this guy's hair. Look at him. He's 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 quintessential California. Pebbles, get over here. I think on that we're gonna call it. I'm gonna go for a bike ride, and Alex, I love you. 